the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey everyone, my name is Reagan. Welcome to Conversations with Sarah, with your host, Sarah Carnes. She's my mom. She's on the radio and TV and loves the Cleveland Browns. But one of her favorite things is connecting with you. She wants to help you live a healthy, happy life. I don't know how she does it. She even got me to love carrots and eat broccoli. Thanks for listening. Well, they say you need five hobbies. I talked about this in the beginning of the week. I don't know how you feel about that. Do you have any hobbies? I used it as a fish food for thought, so I thought I'd start us out with this. They say you need five hobbies. One to keep you in shape, one to make a living, one to keep you creative, and one to grow your knowledge and one to evolve your mindset. So I was carving that out. I said, hmm, I actually think I have all five. Let's see. One to keep you in shape. Okay. I love working out. I go to the gym, play pickleball when I can. One to make a living. I kind of love what I do here at the radio station and I kind of like learning more about video and editing them. So that's kind of fun and helps me make a living. One to keep you creative. I'm always trying to learn new ways to do those types of jobs. Um, so that kind of art kind of helps keep me creative. One to grow your knowledge. I love reading. I love getting new books. I'm actually becoming quite a theology <laughs> nerd. I don't know. I love learning more about God's word and one to evolve your mindset. So I do not a lot of people know this. But I do like to study, hmm, let's say the weird things in the Bible. <laughs> Some of this stuff that, I don't know, you don't always get in Sunday school. You probably don't get on Sunday mornings. For example, Genesis 6. Look it up. I love studying stuff like that. And uh, it just helps evolve my mindset to learn and discuss. So there you go. Talked about that earlier this week. Five hobbies that you need. Okay, before I get into our guest today, which this episode is called Why Fasting is a Gift Most of Us Are Leaving Unopened, I got to kind of give a little bit of a backstory because really this past year, I felt different topics pressed upon me to learn about just a little bit more. It started with wanting to learn about angels and that led me to Dr. Michael Heiser and really deep diving into his books and his YouTube videos. And it really made such a huge impact on me. So by the way, highly recommend Dr. Michael Heiser. But then I started feeling other things. Oh, I really need to study this. I really need to study that. And one of, th one of the big things was prayer. How am I praying? What am I praying for? Am I dedicating enough time to prayer in my life? And really just seeing what the Bible said about prayer in, in general. 
And one of the things I kept feeling I need to study more is fasting. I really had not been taught about fasting growing up in church. And I've grown up in church my entire life. I don't think I ever remember a sermon about it or (laughs) nothing in Sunday school. So I felt like I don't know enough. So I started asking around and I started talking to different people and I got a little bit of information, but I started seeing, wow, there are a lot of people who don't really know a lot about fasting. And once I started speaking with them, they seemed intrigued too and wanted to learn more. And then really, this is how God works. All of the sudden, I get this book called Fasting and Feasting that's coming out by a trusted speaker and Bible teacher. Her name's Erin Davis. So I picked up the book and I couldn't put it down. It was exactly what I was looking for. In this book that we'll be talking about today, it's called Fasting and Feasting, 40 Devotions to Satisfy the Hungry Heart. She really unpacks biblical examples of food. And she does it in multiple different ways, not only fasting, but she really teaches how food is um, used to teach spiritual principles to address the misconceptions people have about fasting and feasting. And she offers hope really to all of us who've even experienced a complicated relationship with food. And I don't know, but I can raise my hand on that one as well. So the Bible really celebrates food as a gift while simultaneously inviting us to surrender every area of our lives to Christ's authority, including what we put on our tables, what we put on our plates, Davis writes. And rather than the yo-yo of loving food and then hating it, Scripture really invites us into a different rhythm, and that is what she calls the rhythm of fasting and feasting. And it was so good, and I really took the opportunity to drill down with Erin and talk about fasting and what it looks like. She has lots of experience with that. And for me, it was one of those, oh, okay, that helps me so much. I get it more than I've ever before. So I hope it helps you too. If you're thinking and wanting to know more about fasting, I think this is going to be such a wonderful conversation with you. We get into a little bit about embracing theology. If you kind of think the Bible can be either boring or super complicated, we talk about how, you know what, we the Bible can be, it it is, not can be, it is so cool and there's so much to learn. Embracing uh, the theology that really transforms the mundane and knowing, hey, I don't have to be a scholar to pick up the Bible and read it and learn. That's something I had to get over because I always thought, oh, only the super, super smart theologians know and understand this stuff. And that's just not true. Every woman can be a theologian. So this is Erin Davis. She is just fantastic. She also has a podcast, the Deep Well with Erin Davis podcast, and her ministry is fantastic. So again, today's conversation, why fasting is a gift, most of us are leaving unopened with Erin Davis. Well, I have a special treat for you today. Every so often, these books land in my lap that are just 
amazing. (laughs) And this is one of those I have to share with you today. It was just a couple months ago where I really felt God tugging at my heart to study fasting more and to pray about it. It's something that I know is in the Bible, but I've really never done it or studied it. And I really felt that. And then all of a sudden this book landed (laughs) on my lap, fasting and feasting. And I'm like, whoa, this is, this is God moving right now that I'm supposed to read this book. So Aaron Davis, the author is with us today. It is so great to have you. Oh, Sarah, I can't wait for this conversation. I'm excited that I get to be a part of what God's doing in your heart. That's amazing. Yes. I mean, you are, you are so fabulous. So this book is a devotional, which I love. I've skipped ahead because it's so good and I've done like five <laughs> devotionals in a day. That's okay. <laughs> Um, but I love how, first of all, the book is set up. If anyone has ever wondered about fasting, um, maybe had m- misconceptions about fasting, relationship with food has been hard for you, a variety of things. This devotional is for you. And I love how it's set up in that every other day there's learning about fasting and then there's learning about God and feasting and our relationship with food in, in both ways is so beautiful. And then I love the prayer prompts at the end of every day. There's a prayer prompt and they're beautiful. I will tell you day one, I think that's going to be like my forever prompt. It's, <laughs> it's just so beautiful. So the, the book is set up in, in, in such a lovely way. Erin, I kind of want to start off because one of the other things that as I started to dive in and learn more about your ministry and learn about you and read the book, I love that you have such a deep love of theology. Mm. And I do too. I, I have like a voracious appetite that's come on stronger even the last couple years. And I I feel like I want to tell more women more men, we're, we're everyone. Everybody. It is to read the Bible. Yeah. Like, what a so good message. Cool. Like this most fascinating book in the whole wide world that is transformational. If you're bored with it, maybe you're not reading it the right way. Someone once told mm-hmm. me that if you don't like vegetables, you're cooking them the wrong way. <laughs> not enough garlic, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> so can you kind of start us off first with how to embrace theology, if you're bored with the Bible, even maybe confused with it in some ways. Mm. Let's start there. Man, what a great place to start. Maybe we just unpack that word theology a little bit. I mean, that could feel like, well, that's for the academics. That's for maybe guys in their offices that are a little stuffy. It just means the study of God. And scripture tells us that we've only seen the fringes of his works. That's in the book of Job. So you could study him your whole life and you would just be getting to the outskirts of him, which I hope isn't discouraging. For me, it's like so exciting. Like he, he's endless. He, he's bottomless. There's no way I'm going to understand everything there is to know about him. And I can't think of anything else that's true of, except maybe my husband. We're 21 years in and I still haven't figured that guy out. But, uh, like just knowing he, he, there's so much to know about him. Um, for me, that makes me go, okay, my life is a lifelong treasure hunt to try and understand God through his word. It's not a duty. It's a delight. He's revealed himself to me. 
And your vegetable analogy is really a good one. I mean, uh, scripture is God breathed. It's useful for instruction. God tells us that himself in his word. It's got love. It's got sex. It's got war. It's got commandments. It's got suggestions. It's got practical stuff. It's got heady stuff. So, um, it's got everything we need in a great book and our pro, our approach baby just needs refreshed. And so for me, I'm a little bit spastic in probably all areas of life. For me, I'm always changing it up. I just rearranged my living room yesterday because I thought I need a new spot and a new spot to read my Bible. Um, because I was getting kind of that dullness, that dryness. And I know God hasn't changed. His word is still living and active. Still has everything I need for life and godliness. So don't be afraid to infuse it with something fresh, whether it's moving the chair that you study the Bible in or picking up a new Bible study or joining a women's Bible study group or catching a new podcast that really challenges you. Um, I think that Thinking about food and thinking about scripture, there's some lots of analogies there and just change it up. Um, and for me, other people who are excited about scripture, particularly other women are kind of the secret to me sustaining my love for scripture. It's Thursday night when we're recording this. So that means in a few hours, my living room is going to be full of women who are all theologians, though they might not call themselves that. They love scripture. And we're going to sit around and we're going to say, I read this in the Bible this week, and I read this in the Bible this week. And I had this question about the Bible this week, or I didn't like this about the Bible this week. And I just always walk away just ready for a fresh week of digging in with God. So I don't know that there's a wrong way. Just keep trying it. I want to come over tonight. You can. We're having chicken nachos. But I love that, you know, there's so many different ways. My co-host and I talk about that a lot. How, mm-hmm. I don't know it. I, in a way, I almost feel like there's like a new reformation going on in mm-hmm. another way to say it, because, you know, we have so many ways to yeah. learn about the Bible now from the internet, from podcasts, from this, from that. And what I think, like we, we joke, like the first reformation, it was like kind of blew up because of the printing press and the Bible being able to be printed and go to so many people. Right. And now we have so many new avenues with all these different ways to learn about the Bible. Mm. And people I think are digging in and learning more about the Bible than ever before. And it's spurring questions. It's spurring excitement. And I hope so, man, that's exciting to think about being a part of another reformation. Um, I do think God's doing something. And I, I will often say to people, listen, if you're not wrestling with this book, I'm holding up my Bible. You're not reading this book. You're reading People magazine. So like it, it is challenging. There are parts of it I don't understand. There are parts of it that are hard to apply. So let's just get rid of that idea too, that it's just supposed to be easy peasy. Uh, it's the word of God after all. So I think once we clear that hurdle, uh, again, takes us back to that, just enjoying it, that God has revealed himself to us yeah. through his word. Every woman can be a theologian. I think that was mm-hmm. one of the biggest things to me is like, I thought only pastors, st- you know, really right. studied the Bible. People like with lots this. of degrees. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's not like that at all. So I love that. I love that you have that frame of mind. And I want to jump into the fasting now because I really do think it was divine that I had the chance to talk to you today and have this in my hand because I've talked to so many people because it's like really God has laid it upon my heart to to study fasting more. And there's so many people who don't really understand it, right? Don't know a lot about it. I know it's in the Bible, but I think that's just what they did back then. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> in a lot of ways. And I know some people are very familiar with it too. So can we just talk about why fasting is such a gift to us and why so many people maybe are afraid or they leave it unopened or they just don't know enough about it? Oh, that is the perfect way to frame it. It is a gift that we leave unopened. It's not commanded for us as New Testament followers of Jesus. I want to make that clear. There are times in the Old Testament where God would command all of Israel to fast together, um, but it, we are under the new covenant. And so it's never commanded for us, but like the Sabbath, um, like some other things that Jesus has given us to help us walk in intimacy with him. It is a gift. And I've had the same experience as you. A lot of people don't know what it is, have never practiced it, have maybe had questions about it, but didn't know who to ask those questions to. I can think of two examples. I was teaching in a different women's Bible study group and the Lord had been working in my life about fasting. And I said, I'd really love to study fasting. And this woman in the room was a friend of mine stood up and said, no, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to study it. She had like this visceral reaction, like, oh, wow. don't mess with my food. And I, it made me go like, hmm, wonder what, what nerve I just hit there. And then my own pastor, who I adore, he is a faithful man of God, has pastored my church for 40 years, loves the Bible. And I said to him one day, hey, Pastor Tim, would you consider preaching a series or a sermon on fasting? And he said, no. I don't know that he's ever told me no in my life. And I said, why? And he said, because I don't fast and I'm not going to teach something that I don't do. And so I, as uh, there were like these parallel tracks happening, I was learning a lot about fasting in the Bible. I was starting to practice fasting in various different ways and, and it was having a tremendous impact. And then I was finding this undercurrent of, in the church of like us thinking this isn't for us or we don't know this is what this is about. And really fasting and feasting is an attempt to reconcile that. I wanted to write a book just about fasting because I have this burden. What would happen in the world if the women of the church in 2022 would fast and pray? Mm. I mean, I have goosebumps truly as I'm saying that to you because I think there would be radical change and we're all longing for it. But as I started to study in scripture, I find there's not just one rhythm. God doesn't just call us to fasting, which is good because we all starve to death and die. But he also calls us to fasting and feasting. Christian life is a life of, yes, um, denying ourselves, but also embracing the many, many ri- blessings that God has for us. Um, so it's, I think I would say it this way. It's not a command, but it is something that I think God eventually puts on the heart of all mature Christians. So maybe baby Christians who just came to Jesus, they might not even have an inkling in their minds about fasting. And that's okay. The, the Lord's teaching them. So they're on that milk, as Paul would say. But for those of us who have walked with the Lord for a while, who have put down some roots, I do think you're going to have what you've described, Sarah. I think the Holy Spirit's going to do a little nudge on your heart. Have you thought about fasting? And because we're not talking about it much, um, then we can sometimes ignore that nudge. And that is not what I want for you. It's not what I want for those who are listening. I can tell you that embracing this gift, unwrapping it, it's a remarkable gift. God wants to do amazing things in your life through this discipline. So I think it just takes like step, a little step out of faith and obedience, um, and saying, okay, God, show me what, what is fasting? How does it apply to my life? It's not formulaic. In scripture, there were different kinds of fasts for different kinds of reasons for different lengths. So God doesn't say fasting always looks like this. So that means we have to abide. We have to walk in the spirit 
and it's going to look different for you than it does for me. Um, but I do think it's something that all Christians who are growing in Christ should at least investigate. Okay. So that is so good. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking recently because I, I, I have a lot of health issues and mm. thinking about all this fasting stuff and you're talking about how it looks different for everybody. I have not gone without a cup of coffee for, yeah, since I don't know, for like 25 years. <laughs> a long you know? time. Yeah. Since I started drinking coffee. So all this fasting stuff has been on my heart. And I also had some some health issues. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this antihistamine diet. So I had to go off all these different foods. Mm. And I was for sure like, there's no way on earth I'm ever going to be able to not drink coffee. And sure enough, I was able to do it for a couple weeks, did the no coffee. And it's amazing what God did during that time. I believe it. And now that you're saying this, because that's my biggest question, I guess you said it looks different for everybody. There's not a formula to it. Cause when I think fasting, I think, okay, I'm not supposed to, to eat anything. I'm not supposed mm-hmm. to drink any or, you know, water, of course, but, and, and that's what it is, but yeah. can it look differently? Can you fast from the things like like for me, it was coffee. I'm using that as an example. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a great example. This is again where it's good to know your Bible. I mean, uh, Daniel said that he was not going to eat the king's food. So that means he was just going to eat what people now call the Daniel fast, which other people call whole 30. Was it called whole 30 back then? But Daniel, it was a version of a fast. It was like, I'm going to continue eating. But you're setting all of this food before me. You're trying to assimilate me into your culture. And I'm going to just stay set apart. So these are the things I'm going to eat. These are the things I'm not going to eat. Um, And I've had a similar experience to you with coffee. I was really wrestling with irritability. I have four kids at home. I have a husband. I was grumpy a lot of days. And that is not the kind of woman I want to be in my home. I want to set a tone of tone of graciousness, of kindness, of fun. And I was just grumpy all the time. And we were tucked away for a family vacation in the woods in a cabin. And I was so grumpy. And I just sensed the Holy Spirit convict me. It was my coffee usage. And like you, I was like, no, don't take my coffee. Um, So there was some idolatry there that needed to be exposed. But (laughs) a few days off of coffee and that irritability had waned. There was something physical that was showing up in my emotions. And that's another thing I've had to learn. Like I'm not a disembodied spirit. I have a body and it is connected to my spirit. And so body and spirit should work in tandem. I'll say this. One thing that I think keeps us from talking about fasting is there's a passage in Matthew where Jesus says, when you fast, which I think is important because it implies that we're gonna, not if you. But then he talks about like, don't be like the Pharisees and let everybody know you're fasting and tell everybody you're sick. He says, go and close the door. Well, here's what I think we thought Jesus was saying. Don't ever tell anyone anything about fasting. If you do, it's null and void. Well, now none of us are talking about fasting. Right. And now none of us are fasting. So I'm going to say some ways that I've fasted, not as a way to brag, all glory to God, but just as some examples. So I, when I really started to experiment with fasting, felt like the Lord laid it on my heart to fast every Friday for my sons. I have four sons and I want just so every Friday I didn't eat. From dinner the night before until dinner on Friday night. And, um, obviously kept water going. That's important. And during that year, my two oldest sons gave their lives to the Lord and were baptized. Now, is that because I wasn't eating? 
No. Did I twist the arm of God? Nope, I can't. He's too strong. But something was shifting. And then before I launched the women's ministry at my church, again, the Holy Spirit, I just, he pressed something on my heart and I wanted to ignore it. It seemed like it was weird, but I took on a 40 day fast. So I fasted for 40 days, only liquid. So I had chicken broth. Um, I had some fruit smoothies, had water, 40 days. Um, and then I did the same thing before my 40th birthday, before I headed into probably the second round of my life. If I have an average lifespan, I wanted to lay my life down before the Lord again. So fasted 40 days before my 40th birthday. I've done other things. I have a friend right now going through something really hard. And I told her, Hey, I'm going to fast for you one day next week. I'll let you know what day it is. Don't need anything from you, but just want you to know that I stand with you. And so that's just going to look like maybe an eight hour fast, but the whole thing is dependent on the Lord. I know people who it's been sugar. The Lord has really convicted them about sugar intake. And so that's been what they've set aside. So again, it's not formulaic. Wouldn't that be easier if it was? We would just say, okay, I'll check the box. Um, but it, since it's about our hearts and it's about our obedience, it's going to take you going to the Lord and saying, okay, I'm willing to fast. What does that look like for me in this season? And my experience is that he doesn't keep it a secret. He's going to show you. He's going to encourage you along the way. And it's pretty amazing to see what he does when we step out in faith in that way. I love how you put that. And honestly, I think it's easier the way you put it and the way Mm. you help explain it, because then it's not this one size, you know, fits all I have to make my way into fasting like this or I can't do it. And it's that it's really unique to you. Um, Well, you mentioned health troubles. There are probably women or men watching and listening now that they're going, I medically can't. I medically can't. So yeah. is that gift not for me? No way. There's no way that God would hold withhold a gift from you because you have some sort of brokenness in your body. So again, you're going to have to go to the Lord and say, okay, I can't fast from food. What is it? Um, or right. this is what I can do. What does that look like for me? And I just think he's going to honor it. I just do. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And I love how the Again, I mentioned this in the beginning, how the book is set up and each day has a prayer prompt mm. that goes along with everything. Why Why was it so important for you to add that? I, I think that's one of my favorite parts of the whole book. Well, I got to say, I had some, I don't know, fear and trepidation about writing a book on food. Um, I, I have a fear and trepidation about writing any book because then you elevate yourself as an expert. And I'm not. I love food. I love to cook. But I have my own you know, wrestling match with it. I think we probably all do. It's probably part of the fall. Um, the fall had to do with food, right? So um I, I but I just um I just wanted this is this issue is so important to me. The Lord has done so much work in my life in this area of my life. But I didn't want you to read it and go, okay, this is my book for how to master food. This is how I'm gonna lose weight. This is how I'm gonna no, that's not what it is. Uh, I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. That comes from the book of Psalms. And I've been grabbed by that Psalm because David wrote it and he could have said, listen and see that the Lord is good, which, you know, I listen to my kids laugh. I listen to music. I can hear God's goodness in that. He could have said, look and see that the God is, that God is good. I mean, that's probably the most obvious. I mean, look all around you, uh, the trees, the flowers, the grass, the birds, on and on and on. God is good. But David chose taste. And that's what I most want people to get from this book. I want people to taste and see that the Lord is good. So 
the Lord has to do that work in your heart. I can't do it. You know, even the best book I've ever written throughout all of time, the best book anyone's ever written throughout all of time, can't really change your heart. So you're going to need to do business with the Lord. Um, he's going to want to do some business with you. And I heard a prayer once, and I honestly don't even know where I heard it, but I've never forgotten it. A woman was praying and she said, Lord, we've set the table. We ask you to bring the feast. And it was in the context of an event. You know, we'd done all the things. We'd invite and p- invited people. We'd literally set the table. We had the food. But we knew unless the Holy Spirit came and did what only the Holy Spirit can do, there would be no feasting for our spirits. And so that's my hope for you at the end of each devotional um, or as you're walking through this journey and whatever pattern works for you, that you just have that attitude. God, I've set the table. I- I've opened my Bible today. I've heard from your word today. I've set aside the time today to be with you. But unless you bring the feast, it's just going to be like everything else I did today. Laundry and dishes, you know, not going to have any eternal significance. Although we do know laundry is eternal. Is it not? It seems like it. But it's that idea that God has to do the heavy lifting. And I just, I just think he will. That's my hope. Yeah, that's so good. And I just think as you're, you're talking, I, I think about the book where you you've talked about before food is complicated for a lot of people mm-hmm. and for various reasons like i ended up with and i still kind of do have a complicated relationship with food because of my health issues yeah. i've been on so many different diets now to try to fix things that i sometimes fear food because mm. well is that going to make me not feel right is that good is that a nightshade is that a mm. <laughs> is that high histamine is this and it's it, it has gotten like really complicated for me. And yeah. and that's just one example. People have food issues for a variety of reasons, but you've tied in a way to look at food in a, such a different way. How has that mm. helped your journey to, you know, being closer with God and your spiritual journey? Well, it has, I'm, I'm sort of amazed by it. You know, I'm like, Holy cow. I'm the poster child for my own book because I, I definitely have had a complicated relationship with food. It's generational for me. I think it's generational for lots of people. I can look back and think of the many diets my mom was on and the way that the women in my family, grandma, aunts and uh, cousins would all sit around and kind of bemoan after we'd had a great meal and there was shame attached. Man, for women, there's a lot of shame attached. I will frequently be teaching to a group of women and will ask a question like, what's your greatest sin need? What's the area where you most need the Lord? And very often food will be a contender in the top. And I'm like, oh man, when these women think of sin, they think of what they eat. And I just, I, the long history is I developed a full blown eating disorder in college. Um, Then I, you know, you become a mom and you want uh, suddenly want to have healthier rhythms. And I just have. The Lord has just shown me, A, that food is good. And that's so elementary, but it's been revolutionary to me because I think we're kind of taught food is our enemy. Now, -hmm. you've mentioned some ways in where we really do have to be disciplined about food. My littlest one, Ezra, he's four and he has these huge tonsils. And so occasionally he'll get choked up on food. And so he's like scared, like, I don't want to choke. We're like, buddy. It's cut up. You're going to be okay. But he's got a little bit of fear. And there's lots of reasons for that. A woman could have fear because she's overweight or she was overweight or because somebody has shamed her. But God, what we see in God's word is just the basic principle that food 
is good. So I can open my refrigerator and go like, oh my goodness, look at those blueberries. That's a good gift. Look at that gallon of milk. That's a good gift. I think part of why we're hungry so often is because God has given us a parable of you have a need and I'm going to meet it. You have a need. I'm going to meet it. You have a need. I'm going to meet it. And that's just a really good thing. I think also I do, I did need to learn some lessons about self-control. I think when women talk about sin and food, that's probably what we're pointing to is like, this is an area where I'm totally out of control. Um, and that's been me at times. And it may be me again, but honestly studying these two rhythms of knowing that there are times when I should just thank God for the table full of yummy food. He could have made one kind of food. It could have just been oatmeal all day, every day. Um, but instead there's zillions of kinds of berries and citrus and meats and potatoes and vegetables. And, you know, he's given us all that variety. So there are times just to enjoy it. And then there are times to say, you know what, God, this is an area where I'm out of control and I need your control. And just realizing he cares about that. I think I had a false belief that God cares about spiritual things. He cares about my prayer life, cares about if I'm reading my Bible and going to church, but food, ugh. He's just beyond that. Well, that's not what we see in scripture. He talks about food all over the Bible, truly from Genesis to Revelation. Genesis starts with food in the garden. Revelation ends with a massive feast for the people of God when we're all with him in glory. So just inviting him in to that mundane daily part of my life um, has caused true transformation. Oh, I love it so much. And yeah, your your book is so great. The daily devotionals. And like I said, I, I've... I've had to skip ahead because they're so good. I have to do two or three in a day <laughs> sometimes. Extra credit. Um, but Aaron, you also have a podcast, a ministry. Tell us where we can connect with you. Oh, I'd love to connect with you. My podcast is called The Deep Well. Um, and it's just because the Bible's a deep well and you can drop down your bucket and find truth every time. So I'm always trying to kind of take you off road and have you look at scripture in a way that you haven't ever looked at it. Before, sometimes that's by studying a phrase, sometimes that by studying a person. Right now I'm working on a series called Dysfunction, where I look at the dysfunction in Joseph's life. Uh, that's going to be a big series I'm looking forward to teaching. But yeah, I'm just trying to, what we talked about at the top of this interview, which is your love for scripture, my love for scripture, and showing women, oh man, what a treasure trove it is. So the Deep Well podcast. Yes, you are amazing. You're just one of those women you feel like you met your best friend when you, you when have. meet you and talk <laughs> with you. You're so sweet. Your stuff is so amazing. And the book is called Fasting and Feasting, 40 Devotionals to Satisfy the Hungry Heart. I highly, highly recommend it. Thank you, Erin, for the time today. Thanks, Sarah. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.